there were three of them. The bastard revenants of the city's sins. The jubilant would come to gnaw them all. The first was Mel, drawn to embrace by its own violent outreach, by the bloody conviction of the jackal's spears. She was the newest, had spent mere centuries in the cut, planning retribution against us who'd wronged her. She meant to bring the tender's own destruction to our doorsteps. In the end, it were Oaken who'd stay her hand. And honest to you, I can't really speak as to why she faltered. Relic had always been a remnant of preservation. Perhaps, and I'm just speculating, the destruction Mel planned were anathema, even to herself. Or maybe she thought she saw a better path towards the enactment of her vengeance through Orkin. Lilium with a second. Envoy born before there was embrace. Before there was Alamaya. In many ways we were lucky that it was the jubilant that faced them that found them first. Even if they had to do it in the labyrinth that had made their hunting grounds. There were many in the city who'd already fallen prey to the envoy's terrible promise. A vision of history reversed. A Kadroya reborn, of divinity restored. There were many who meant to use this to build power for their own. It would take all of the jubilant to free us from the choking weight of that remembered glory. The last I mention now, but they'd face much later, and the cut were behind them. His presence, though, was ever felt. His were the hands that had shaped embrace more than any others. Khan Nim Dekar. The legend who'd slain Kadroya and Rodella both. And in their bones had secured us our bloody legacy. Before this story is over, he too will have his say. Hi, it's Adam here. I just wanted to record a quick message before today's show to say that these flimsy rituals are now on Patreon. If you'd like to and can afford to support the show by giving a little bit of money each month so that we can continue doing what we're doing, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash these flimsy rituals. I'll include a link in the episode notes below. Essentially, this Patreon is a way for us to continue to support the work that we're doing. Everything we've done so far, so all of the recording equipment we've bought, all of the art we've commissioned, all of the games that we play, has come out of our own pocket. And this Patreon is a way to cover those expenses as we continue to record the show, as we continue to record Embrace, and as we move back to Tiding afterwards. We've got a few different award tiers available, everything from the Shards and Fragments tier, which is £1 a month and gives you access to our excellent episode notes, which Fryn writes each episode and I think are more entertaining than the show itself. They're very, very good. 
through to our Warm Embrace membership level, which gives you access to a monthly behind the scenes live stream where we're going to be chatting about our world building, our session preparation, share some of the ideas and little conversations that we have that never make it into recording. So yeah, if you would like to and can afford to support us, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash these swimsy rituals. Hi everyone and welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Steve Martin. Hello, I'm Steve and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Ziz and you can find me on Twitter at Games. Fryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Fryn and you can find me at Theron. And Beck Mihalik. Hi, I'm Beck, and you can find me on Twitter at r underscore Mihalik. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at @rtdixon, and you can find the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. You can find our website at flimsyrituals.com. And today we are going to be continuing our game of Blades in the Dark by John Harper. And as always, all of the music in this episode and this season's episodes is taken from Satin by Kai Engel. So, the situation is as follows. All of you are reunited under the chaotic architecture of the Winter's Lodge. For the past couple of hours, you've been trying your best to ignore the situation outside to find a moment of peace or rest before the inevitable confrontation happens. As a reminder, outside the Winter's Lodge is Lilillian, an old envoy of Kadroya. They bring with them an army of assorted beings. There are the Death's Defiant, headed by Winter's Yawl, a group of ancient ghosts committed to bringing remnants back to embrace. There are our sweet Jorants, a strange underground cult, bringing in members of the Provenders like Galena, as well as some of the ministers and other important people in the city. And they march with guns through the inverted temple of Riala's Harbour. In the strange saunas on one edge of the lodge, there are the thrashing worms, thought missing after they vanished from Atrium, but here returned. And I think that's most of it, most of what you know. There are other forces in play, but we'll see whether they come onto our screen. Inside the lodge, I think everything is chaos. People are being asked to pack up their lives in the matter of, like, hours. The Weavers of the Winter's Lodge, which, as a reminder, is like a safe space for ghosts and people from the city who need to lay low or need to find a new place in the world, had relied on the protection of Mel and all manner of assorted monsters and beasts. But all of that has gone as Mel decided to focus her bets on Oaken. 
So the civilians of Winter's Lodge have been packing up, they are ready to go, and I think as we join the scene today, we follow a caravan of them leaving the lodge, headed by Everon Eves, and I think we maybe see Portant Skrill there and a couple of others. We probably see Roan along with them as well, as they head out of the lodge. We see a couple of other groups, we see the Bismuth Bands, the few of them that came with you, I think they had to face the worms in the saunas to hold them off there. I think we see the revolutionaries demand to be allowed to fight, they talk about how they used to serve, and they go to the temple to face off against the humans coming that way. But you five are going a different way, right? You're going to face Lilium themselves. Yeah. You say face, but it is distract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can distract them to their face, right? <laughs> <laughs> However you want to do it is the, is the thing. Them killing us all would be very distracting for them. Hey, I was going to say they'd be awful distracted if they died, but, you know, that's, that's so positive. <laughs> Deeply prefer Ivar's option, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. Okay, um, so I guess... Let's just jump straight in here with the engagement role, if everyone's happy to. Oh, yeah, fine. Sounds good to me. So, as as a reminder, I think Lilium was in almost like a huge network of garden spaces, I guess? If you imagine, like, loads of squares of gardens, and one bit is, like, a gazebo, and the other bit is... The next bit is, like, a weird folly... And yeah, I think Lilium, when we last saw them, was fighting their way through that. They had defeated a piece of Mel very, very easily. And I know Oaken has been in a tower you could probably watch and see. I think Lilium has probably broken off bits of themselves to start hacking away at the walls into the lodge itself. Well, that's not good. It's not good. As a reminder, Lilium is like a big Escher version of something between a millipede and a spider. Imagine almost like very pattern-based 2D surrealist art. There's lots of weird shapes thrown in. But one of the interesting bits was, if you imagine like a millipede's made up of loads of segments, it can break off those segments to do different things as well. And I think... None of you have seen the full extent of Lilium yet. Like, every time you've seen Lilium, they've just been going back off into a tunnel. You don't know how big they are. Right. Well, unless anyone has got some superbly clever ideas, I can't see this as anything other than do violence to a target. Yeah, this sounds like an assault to me. I think this might be an assault. We're just, we're, just, we're just getting in a fight, aren't we? A direct approach is best. I mean, you say best, but no one's got any better ideas, I think, is probably more. <laughs> What's more interesting to me is whether we're letting Ivar or Oaken take point on this assault. <laughs> like, who has envoy killing superiority? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously myself. I know who has bad dice rolling superiority. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously myself. <laughs> I mean, I was talking about myself there. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. I think every single person, every single one of us could have claim to bad dice rolling, especially Thrin. Rude, but accurate. I think maybe like there's a, uh, not, not to act out, but there's a, a little scene of Ivar walking next to Oaken and just going, 
You ever killed one before? Huh. An envoy? Killed so many I can barely remember. What about you? Well, you know, I, uh... I think one killed me, but I, I give it a good go, you know. <laughs> well, um, you ever fought a remnant? You know, envoys are small fry, right? I don't have time to deal with those, you know. I just feel like maybe the person who didn't die to an envoy could claim superiority here in terms of killing envoys and not dying, which is the aim. Very well, your lordship, after you. <laughs> Ezra in the background just hollering, will you please just share the special sheriff hat for me? We need to do something. I think he's talked himself into a corner because there's no way he'd back down, but also he doesn't want to reveal about the goal. Mm. And that would make such a difference, being able to use the powers of Winter's Lodge in a fight. Well, there's still time for things to go wrong and that be to become a necessity. <laughs> I think it'll all go smoothly, personally. I'll simply okay, cool. recite the litany, light a few candles, and uh, give it a whack. Well, I would, <laughs> I would love to see you put that into practice with this engagement role. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> oh, God. Just before we go on, I want to check out of character. Ryan, were you wanting to do this? No, no, I've, I've, I've bowed to your vast knowledge. Uh... <laughs> it's your responsibility now. Yeah, you, you, you're definitely not getting out of this you one. Sure? There's something nice about having Oaken appear in all of his finery. Oh, yeah. Roll in a one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the question is for everyone here, like, how are you going about it? Do you just appear in front of it? Are you sneaking up on it? Is everyone watching me? Do I have, like, the pressure of everyone watching me? Yes. I think everyone but... stood there just like, come on then. What are we, what are we doing? <laughs> Show us what you got. I think I'm going to like try and delay the moment by doing the litany <laughs> and like d drawing it out a bit. Mm. Is this like you've entered the courtyard area and it's not even paying attention to you yet? I was wondering if I could do like a cool jump from above mm. or something. Like a, if there's a balcony or... We're all waiting in the courtyard for you to appear, but you're sat <laughs> yeah. somewhere in your tower doing the litany for 35 minutes. <laughs> Is he is he coming or? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of everyone else just kind of being in position nearby, yeah. waiting for open signal. But yeah, if if you want there to be a balcony, there's absolutely a balcony. That's how this works now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I kind of feel like Ash would probably have gone with Oaken if yeah. he if he'd allow it. So when Oaken jumps down, Ash jumps down a couple of seconds later. Ah. All the more reason to do the uh, litany and make it out like I'm a professional, which I am, of course. <laughs> All of which Ash finds absolutely fascinating. Just like listening to this intently, trying to trying to uh, learn it and remember some of the words, and you know, mouth a couple of the lines that that are repeated when you when you start them. He's like, oh yeah, and and this. <laughs> do we want to go into where everyone else is, or should we just see how this role goes and have you appear as and when we need you? I think seeing how it goes is good. Yeah. Okay. So for the engagement roll, you start with one dice for sheer luck, and then you get some bonuses and negatives depending. Okay. Is this operation particularly bold or daring? If so, take plus one D. Hell yeah! I, I think it is. Is it 
overly complex or contingent on many factors? No, I don't think so. <laughs> like, it, it's stupid. <laughs> but I don't think it's, like, complex. Um, does the plan's detail expose a vulnerability of the target or hit them where they're weakest? I think being a fan here, like, take an extra dice for this because you are doing the litany and you are a jackal. I think that's yeah. sort of, you are someone that's good at doing this. Um, are they strongest against this approach or do they have any particular special defenses or preparations? Mm, I don't think so. Like, the, I think you're going to get some negatives in a minute for the tier of this thing, but I don't think they have any particular defenses. I don't think they care. I don't think they're in a position where they think they can be threatened. And there's questions about, like, are your friends or contacts providing aid or insight? Are any enemies or rivals interfering? I think both of those are true, so I think they cancel each other out. I think there's lots of friends that we can call upon as we go through the score if we want to, and there are lots of enemies and rivals I can drop in. And then any other elements, so maybe lower tier target will give you plus 1d, higher tier target will give you minus 1. I'm going to give you minus 1 for this being an envoy. Oh, oh. So you started with 1 dice for Sherlock, plus 1 dice for bold or daring, plus 1 dice for a weakness, and then minus one dice for them being higher tier. So that works out as two dice. Okay. Jump from the balcony with my spear of blinding light and descend, and it's five and a four. So five. So five. That's pretty good. Five good. Yeah. So on a five, you get a mixed cool. result. You're in a risky position when the action starts. Okay. What do you do? What do you do as you land? Hit it. Cool. Are you, are you just hitting it with your spear? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a, you know, using the momentum of the jump to drive the spear in to the soft flesh or hard flesh, the carapace. Mm. Yeah. I, I think maybe this sort of hits between two of its segments. Whoa. If that makes sense. And you, yeah. you drive the spear into that. Uh, what is everyone else doing in this moment? How how wide is is this thing? Like, is it big enough that I could jump on its back and run along it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, I imagine the width of a house. Oh, jeez. Right, okay. And each segment is maybe two or three meters thick, and about two stories high. Oh, this is a lot bigger than I was expecting. Wow, okay, cool. Giant millipede, yeah. Yeah, but like giant, giant. Yeah, <laughs> many of the tunnels you've been going through have been carved by this. It's still smaller than a remnant, so yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Imagine maybe like Oaken and Ivar, like Ash is like, "Oh my god, it's gigantic," and we're like, "It's not that big." Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty puny uh, compared to most. I've seen bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, yeah, I think so. Ash uh, jumps down just behind Oaken and just starts running along the length of it, uh, trying to trying to sort of spot any weak points, like running along the top of it as fast as he can. Yeah, I think the thing you notice is that as Oaken drives the Sunspear into one of the segments, the segment just splits, maybe a length of this thing. At the front, maybe maybe like ten segments of it just like split off. Cool. There's a moment of stun from the creature, I think, 
and then those ten segments start to like run off in separate ways to to start attacking the walls of the Winter's Lodge. Uh oh. Does the sun spare leave any kind of marks? Is it like being hit by something extremely hot? Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. I like that. Like you've been burnt by light almost as much as anything else. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's not like a catch on fire kind of heat. Yeah. It's it's almost like a radiation. Yeah. And almost as if like when you leave something in the sun and it just kind of fades. Yeah, yeah. So I think these two segments are kind of left behind and fade a bit, and you can see where it's almost warped, where the, the spear is hit, and then those two segments just do a big topple to the ground, and there's like a metallic echo through the space. Yeah. Good. Hmm. And uh, what, what is everyone else doing? I think Ivar's sort of maybe like crouched behind bit of the courtyard or something um with topaz okay and um i think he sort of kneels down to topaz and gives her like a scratch on the ear and says right go on girl get up there now and uh if anything gets too far away you let me know all right and just sort of encourages her to get up in the air and start circling around just to see what direction sort of moving in or seeing if any of these segments get too far away or start causing too much damage. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think what you can see right now is most of them seem focused on attacking the walls of the Winter's Lodge, which is worrying because I think they are doing considerable damage and like breaking through segments. And I think there's a mix of crumbling masonry, but then there's also something almost like the flesh of of the castings, like, underneath that. So it's both crumbling and tearing as they try and get into what they think is the heart of the lodge. (laughs) I think the thing that is very useful for you here is Lilium doesn't seem to know instinctively that the goal has changed position. Sucker! Hmm. And Ezra and Nia, what are your positions in this? Or shall we save you for later? I have an idea, but it's... It's very stupid. Oh, mm. hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, like, Ezra is probably crouched behind something in this garden, waiting just to kind of be useful in some way. I don't think they've been given any particular direction. But if Oaken's hitting it, like, between segments, made those two segments fall off. Yeah. I have explosives that you do (laughs) but i would have to be very close to put those explosives in in the the cracks of the carapace of lilithium uh-huh so i'm gonna do that are you climbing onto the back with ash yeah i think i'm climbing lilithium Mm mm-hmm they are not happy about it. <laughs> it's like grumbling as you run over. Yep. Yeah. It's like it's the stupidest fucking stupid thing. I'm stupid. Um so I'm gonna mark off climbing gear uh-huh. and demolition tools. Cool. Exciting. Oh yeah, we didn't do load. 
I'm going with the load from when we came into the cut, yeah. so I'm still on heavy. I think because you've got the climbing gear, I'm just going to let you get on top of Lilium. I think Ash is there to help you as well, and we'll zoom into the planting explosives and how that all goes in a minute. Uh, but first, where is Nia in all of this? I think Nia's a kind of farther away from everyone, maybe near where this wall is, and is trying to figure out how this new warding that they've been learning could be useful. Maybe there's a way for Nia to kind of keep Lilium from breaking through. All of this kind of weaving is really new to Nia, but they want to try, mm. see if they can actually do something useful and, and hold Lilium back. And what does this look like? Is is Nia warding a specific part of the wall or all of it? I think it's quite a big part of the wall, actually. Um, so I'm not hugely confident that this is going to work, but we'll see what the dice do. Well, I think what we can do is we can definitely frame this as a clock and we can start Nia. I mean, I have a clock already, which is defending Winter's Lodge and... We can have this tick towards that as we go, yeah. as you as you kind of spread these out. So, I guess my question is, what what do you want these wards to do? What's the effect here? I think maybe making them like really slow or like tiring, if that's like a, maybe having the wards have an effect of kind of mm. like tiring, like making you really exhausted, but also like physically fatigued, so you just can't. Yeah, it's interesting to know how that would work on an envoy or whether it would work, but like we, we can see how the dice go as to how effective these wards are. But there's definitely a kind of tiredness that isn't a human kind of tiredness, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a spiritual tiredness? Yeah, something that is slowing stuff. Maybe it'll be like the first time that Lilium has faced this kind of tiredness. <laughs> we will see. Okay. I guess my question, kind of tying it into all of this, is Lilium is advancing on this wall as this is happening. Is is Nia having to do this quickly? Is, I mean, we're not seeing what Ivar is doing. Is, is Ivar helping here? I guess it depends how confident Nia feels about getting the wards up. Please help Ivar. <laughs> All right, Please. well, I'm happy to be the distraction to get the wards up. Woo, yay! So how does this look? I think for now it's going to be trying to keep the keep the uh, segments at bay. I think it's literally just Ivar stood up, maybe like climbed up on a rock or on top of a wall or something, and it's just literally taking pot shots at these segments. I hasn't thought past that <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it's maybe a setup action between the pair of you maybe it's it's either Nia holding them back with wards while Ivar can pick them off or Ivar distracting them with gunshots while Nia can get the wards set up maybe so for a setup action um, basically you make a roll and then Anyone that follows through gets plus one effect level or improved position for their role. 
So what did you say Ivar's shooting? Yes. Which weapons are you marking off for this? Um, I think I'm keeping it keeping it light, keeping it what I know, fine pair of pistols. Okay, and what would you like to roll? I think this is a hunt, which is precision shooting from a distance. Yeah, so I think this is risky. Um, let's say it is risky limited standard, um, but because you've got fine tools, that makes it risky standard. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Oh, multiple follow-up actions may take advantage of your setup, which is interesting. So maybe this is... Is this just Ivar doing cover fire generally? Yeah, I guess so. Because then we could have it apply to the other fight. I'd like to say it was, like, pretty distracting. Just kind of standing in the middle, shooting in all directions. And are you pushing yourself or anything? No. Nope. Just straight rolling. Because well, I'm, I'm all good. Hell I'm yeah. such a good marksman. Got a six. <laughs> cool. On a six, you do it with no consequence. So whoever follows through on your maneuver gets plus one effect level or improved position on their rolls. So, so what does this look like? Are you just... I think this looks like... Kind of how Nia's performance has, like, perf performative art stuff looks but instead of working with fabric it's working with spirit so they're kind of in that performance space not not trance but like kind of ignoring everything else moving with purpose kind of knitting or trying to get the spirit to do what they want we'll see if that works but um but yeah yeah yeah, I imagine Ivar's shots are kind of echoing around you. They're hitting these things, but they don't seem to be doing lots of damage. But, yeah, it, it it seems to just slow them down. Maybe there's a bit where, as they get hit, they sort of stutter a little bit, and it's slowing their progress to the wall, and, and kind of gives you time to kind of get in there and do what you're doing. So is this you using your new move? Yes, it is me using my new move. So the new move is Spirit Wards. You can reshape spirit into web and ward, taking one stress plus one for each feature. Large area, visible, emotional, tiring, protective. Mm. So I definitely want to do tiring. Okay. So I guess that's two stress already. Tiring makes sense. Did you want like protective as well? Yeah, I think because of Nia's goals for this, we're going to kind of kind of do everything. Uh, so it'll be like tiring across a large area and mm. protective to actually achieve this. You're not worried about it being visible or emotional? I don't think that matters as much? No. No, I don't think it matters right now. Okay. So I guess you take one stress plus one for each feature, so that's like four stress in total. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, if it goes Just well. Just don't think about it. Yeah. If it, if, if it goes well. If it goes well. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm here having nothing and lots and lots of stress. <sighs> okay. Um, and I guess the next thing is, what do you want to roll for this? Probably a tune, I assume. Yeah, a tune is the most likely one here, I think. 
I yeah. don't think there's anything else that necessarily makes any more sense than that. So I think in terms of position and effect, uh, this is a risky limited, I think. And what that means is, I'm imagining there's a clock here which is protecting Tail's End, and I think this is a four-step clock that I've got. And because this is only limited, I'm imagining this is because it is a large area and it's hard to do. And it's the first time that Nia is trying these wards in any way. If you succeed, you'll get to take one step of this clock. What you can do here, if you want, is you can push yourself or take a devil's bargain or anything like that. Um, and then you could use that to increase your effect. You can also use Ivar's teamwork to either... I think it's give you better position or effect as well. Devil's bargain. All right. What's the devil's bargain? I think the one that like would make the most sense here, just going for like a simple one, is one of these segments picks you or like picks you out and will focus on you after this. Oh good. Good. I mean, but that's like Nia in 10 seconds, and this is Nia now, so I'm sure that's fine. Nia's, Nia's great at dealing with stuff, so fine. Do it. Okay. So are you using that to make it risky standard? Yes. Yes. Cool. As a reminder, there is one extra thing we can do here. If we felt like it, we could flashback to bring in the crew, if we felt this was important enough. Trying to save the Winter's Lodge, allow people to escape, sounds pretty important. So yeah, we we spoke about this a little bit off screen, but one of the advancements that Jubilant just got is a new cohort, right? Uh, yeah, we got some, some extra muscle on hand yeah. on account of how charming and convincing we are and how good at our jobs we clearly are. It's, it's not just friends, relatives... And other people that you've uh, hooked into into this fight. Rude. Okay, should we go through how to create a cohort before we make this roll? Yes. So who are we imagining this is? Is this people like Foible and Roan and people like that? Yeah, I think the people we mentioned were like Rian and Foible. Not in the Winter's Lodge, but like people we've previously associated with, like Oxbow, who's come on jobs with us. Um, yeah. And I guess to some extent, yeah, maybe Roan now. Possibly Midrib as well. Yeah. Maybe the the four that are with you at the minute are Rian, Foible, Midrib, and Renner, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Cool. And then, so, just to quickly set this up, we get to choose a type for them. So the options are Adepts, who are Scholars, Tinkerers, Occultists, and Chemists. Rooks, who are con artists, spies, and socialites. Rovers, who are sailors, carriage drivers, scavengers. Skulks, who are scouts, infiltrators, and thieves. Or thugs, who are killers, brawlers, and roustabouts. Hmm. I think skulks sounds a bit more like who those characters are. Yeah. 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 Not so much Rian, but the other three definitely are skulks. Yeah, mm. I can definitely see Rian. Rian is part of this cohort at the minute, but I could see Rian being an expert in the future. Yeah. So maybe we just bring in Foible, Midrib, and Renner as people helping at the minute, and then we've got Rian Spare. Makes sense. If any, when you want to do a flashback for that. Okay, and then uh, you get one or two edges, uh, which are things they're good at, and then an equal number of flaws. So the example ones are Fearsome, Independent, Loyal, 
and tenacious. So independent is they can be trusted to make good decisions. Loyal is they can't be bribed or turned against you. And tenacious is they won't be deterred from a task. Tenacious makes sense in this scene. Mm. Yeah, I want to say tenacious and loyal makes sense. And then you take an equal number of flaws. So uh, principled, so they've got ethical values they won't betray. Unreliable, which is they're not always available due to other obligations. Wild, which is they're drunken, debauched, unloudmouthed, or you could create something else as well. Wild. Wild definitely sounds good, yeah. And principled. Yeah. Yeah. Is wild, like, they will make silly choices and decisions in, like, the very similar way to what the jubilant will. I feel, yeah, I feel like it's partially that and partially that, like, they just won't necessarily listen to us. Like, particularly Midrib, we've seen, has a pretty antagonistic relationship with Ezra. Yeah, (laughs) and I almost imagine it a bit like when we had the likelihood lads in scenes where it's just like, they will just swear at someone at the worst possible time or... Yeah, yeah, I think like we've at least learned a little bit to contain ourselves and Foible, Midrib and Renner have not. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm imagining that the cohort are sort of helping you with this, Nia? Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's maybe a mix of like Foible maybe helping with some of the wards and Midrib and Renner just distracting these other segments. Just jumping on their backs. I mean, you could have given them guns, but yeah, like, let's say they're jumping on their backs and throwing bits of, bits of masonry and all of that. I mean, yeah, guns probably would have been smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even if they had guns, Midrib and Renner are basically very similar to Ash, so probably just doing similar stuff. Like, why why shoot something while you can... You can just jump from jump from envoy bit to envoy bit. Yeah, exactly. If, if you wouldn't give Ash a gun, don't give one to Midrib, because they're probably worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Midrib's probably got a gun and jumping on the back, shooting it, and then jumping onto another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as as Ivar tries to not shoot any of us. Um. So I think, essentially, this is going to give you... It, it's going to turn this into a teamwork action uh, with you leading this cohort, so they give you an extra dice. Good. Yeah. Right. Risk of taking more stress, but we'll see. Um. So... Whoa. That's okay. I'm good at dice. So you rolled a double six. Uh, so double six is a critical, which is really good. Um, and we're already at a great effect. So let me just check how many segments you do. Nice. What do you think Nia is doing? Why does why does this become a critical? Are they just better at this than they thought they were? I mean, I was going to go with dumb luck. Like... Hmm kind of like not thinking about it too like you know in the the first time okay this is probably not something you may have experienced the first time you do a really good pirouette or like fancy fuete turns or something that requires a lot of skill the first time you do it when it's beautiful and you haven't been thinking about it at all and then you can't do it again Mm. because then you're like oh but i could do this thing now this i think is um nia not having expectations for himself, yeah. Expecting this not to work, but giving it Sir all, and not getting in Sir head about it. Cool. I think I I think that's that's uh, a a large part of it. I think another part of it might be because they're getting better at reading people and reading mm. the world around some. 
that deciding maybe using tiring as one of the aspects of these wards, maybe that was a really good choice. Even mm. if Say didn't think about it that much, it was just like looking at how the gunshots are affecting them. Um, that seemed like an obvious choice. Yeah. But maybe Ser emotional people, thoughts, reading abilities have been helpful here. And I assume there's another part to it as well, which is like, there must be a lot of energy here, like spirit mm. here. The goal is here. Lilium is here. There's just probably a lot of stuff here to work with. Yeah. So I think this knocks it up to beyond great. And I think I'm just going to give you the clock. Nice. You have managed to just array a series of wards along the wall, and all of the segments that are coming here are just tiring and slowing down, and they if they do reach the wall with their slow sort of steps with their legs, doesn't seem to have an effect. Oh, worth the force stress. Yeah. I think before you can celebrate, though, you hear Midrib shout, fuck, as they fall from the back of one of these things, and it just lunges to run straight towards you. And that's your devil's bargain. One of these things is coming right to you. But before we get to that, should we go back to the other edge of the fight? So on the millipede's back, I imagine there's Oaken near the front, and then Ezra and Ash sort of working their way down it. Is that right? I'm staying where I am to, to put these explosives in. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I guess would... Would it be more helpful to do it at its head? I don't know how envoys work. I assumed you were going to, like, go down the creature, putting one in each segment kind of thing. I don't know how many explosives I have. <laughs> but you know what? I'll do that until I run out. <laughs> Let's mm. just do as many as we've got. And what are uh, Oaken and Ash doing at the same time? Are you Is Ash helping? I think Ash is helping Ezra, definitely. Yeah. Um, just pointing out places to stand and like grabbing them when they start sort of looking a little bit off balance. Does Ezra need this help? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> they're they're bruised and vibrant, mm. seasick and exhausted. The this is wow. not the time to be doing what they're doing. Two of those things are on my character sheet. Two of them are just narratively true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and also, at this point, I think losing some blood, because the only way I can think to attach these explosives firmly in the cracks of Lilium is that Ezra has built-in adhesive. Ooh. Oh my. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to make a wound to get to it. That's very cool. Ezra, what you, why are you... What are you doing? There's, there's got to be a better way to do that, surely. If you've got one in mind, Ash, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, but time is of the essence and I don't have anything else. But I do have this. Getting quite dizzy. Would love it if I could stop talking. Thank you. Um, And Ash just sort of reaches around uh, to Ezra's climbing equipment and just pulls out a handful of, like, of spikes. And she goes, why not just use these? Because I don't want to hammer a spike directly through an explosive, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> Is why. No, um, would would prefer glue, but don't have any, so we'll make do. Um, 
sure. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Um, here, look, over here. There's there's a, a bit of a gap. Grand. So yeah, I guess I guess I'm just doing a help for whatever you're doing. Yeah. Love the vision of Ash just gleefully about to spike directly through an explosive. Steve, Steve, Steve. I know, I know. <laughs> okay. What would you like to roll here? Oof. It's a wreck or a finesse, I imagine. Hmm. I, I could go for either. Let's say wreck, because it, it does say savage force or carefully applied sabotage, and this is somewhere between those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is going to be, I think, so it's risky nothing to start with, but using explosives, so that's going to make it risky limited. And you've got Ivar's help, I think we said, for this action. Could you use Ivar's help to make that risky standard or to make that controlled limited? Let's go with risky standard. Cool. It is risky. It is unarguably risky, <laughs> but I would love it to be even a little bit effective. Yeah. And did, you can push yourself or take a devil's bargain if you wanted either of those. Devil's bargain. What would the devil's bargain be? Thank you, Steve, on my shoulder. Wait, that wasn't me. What? Who <laughs> <You> said that? <laughs> um, hmm. What if it's just that you fall off? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to be... How do you normally detonate these things? Light, um, light a fuse and run. Yeah. So my plan was, from the start, working backwards, light, run, light, run, light, run. Yeah, I, I think it's going to just be that you're not going to have much time to jump off. Mm. All right. So you're going to have to... There's going to be another roll to, to work out how well this goes once once the explosion happens. Okay. And who knows how this is going to affect Oaken as well. Eh. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be fine. Oaken's got super balance. It's fine. So am I, am I flat even on dice? Now you've got one extra fresh helping, and oh, you yeah. could either put your Devil's Bargain dice into an extra dice or extra effect. Extra dice, because I'm already on standard effect. Yeah, free dice standard. That's a five. Eee, nice. Okay, uh, so on a five, you do it, but as a consequence, you suffer harm, a complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you end up in a desperate position. What are your explosives? Have we established what explosives are in Embrace? Is it just like gunpowder and stuff? We have not, no. Um, just really big fireworks. Just really big fireworks, yeah. yeah. Maybe there's like bismuth crystals in them or something like powdered mm. i mean there's there's definitely like flammable liquids because i keep using them all the time so maybe it's just like a jelly form of that yeah i think they're probably liquid based because yeah. like i don't think gunpowder or whatever is a, is a thing because we don't have guns we've only got spirit guns so yeah. i think it is like explosive liquid a wet explosion Back. Yeah, I think it's going to be reduced effect here, because I think your explosives are designed to work on physical things. And although Lilium is sort of physical in the cut, they are like an Echo's envoy, so I think they're, they're fairly spiritual in nature, and I think it just doesn't have... It, it splits off a few segments, but not much. It, it, it kind of creates like a weird flickering rippling through its body. I can't... 
persuade you in any way that I bound them to Lilium, can I? You could flashback. I would love to flashback to do that. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Um, and and what do you mean by that? Um, I honestly like to imagine after Ash has sassed me about not attaching them in any other way that he then also points out, will an explosive work on an envoy? <laughs> and it has to be like, ah, okay, we've only put three in. Hang on, we're going back to the first one. And then just kind of like, I don't think it's a particularly good binding because it's very fast, but I think it's like them reaching into the gaps between Lilliliam's carapace, pulling out just a fistful of smoke and like smoothing it over the glass vial to tie it into the explosion. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds like what you're doing is a resistance roll. So you're resisting yeah. the consequence. I'm resisting the consequence. How many stress is it for a flashback, by the way? I, I, I think because resistance causes stress, I think we'll just do it for the resistance okay. and see what happens there. So yeah, when you resist, you roll one of your three resistance stats, insight, prowess, or resolve. I could see this being insight or prowess. Oh, I was going to say resolve. Okay. Because that's where a tune lives. Yeah. Because I think the difficult thing about doing this isn't thinking of being able to do it or Ezra's binding skill, but is being able to touch an envoy's spirit and not just immediately pass out. Yeah. I think it's genuinely going to be really difficult for them to do. No, that sounds good make a resolve check so you roll three dice and you subtract the highest roll from six and that's how much stress you take oh i got a five i only take one stress nice that's good yeah <laughs> so yeah you, you manage to bind this thing and you don't suffer reduced effect what does what does this look like when the explosion goes off if it's bound in place I kind of pictured it as like once the explosion happens, kind of the liquid runs a little bit along the crack of the carapace. And like from all of those lines where the liquid touches, kind of like Ezra's own spirit leak, like a spirit wound, essentially. It's just bleeding spirit out into the cut. Yeah. And I think I was trying to work out what the form of that would take. Yeah, because Ezra's is smoke, but Lilium's presumably will be something different. I think it's like weird labyrinthine shapes almost spilling out from it and like breaking off at like 90 degree angles and then going into a different direction. It's a bit like watching like a Windows screensaver from the 90s where you had the one that made like a labyrinth on its own or something like that. Oh, sick. Mm. And I think you see some of these segments have toppled but a lot of them are still standing up and they're just with the wall up and with this explosion i think that they're, they're almost like starting to move around the, the ones that are still they've been blown free but are like wounded and are trying to find other ways into the lodge what i'm going to do is i'm going to tick two segments of this clock for fighting lilium which has got its attention ah and I'm going to add one more uh, for that for Nia's work as well. So you're three or six on that clock. And I I hate to bring up the consequences of my own actions, but about that devil's bargain we made. About that devil's bargain you made? 
I think as you run along and the explosion sort of starts rippling behind you, you, I think you end up facing a choice. Mm-hmm. I think you can throw yourself off of Lilium's back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's going to be a roll to see how you do, or you can keep running along the back and just keep running away from the explosion. The issue is, I think we spoke before about Lilium's body going back, snaking into the caves. I think you've reached a point where that happens and there's like a cave that you'd follow into it is ash still here also i think ash has the same choice uh ash is probably going to stick with ezra for the time being seeing how unsure they are upon here he reckons they need more help than oaken does right at this moment i'm not going into those caves we jump in boys okay sweet I would like to offer the option of kind of bundling Ash up into something akin to a bear hug and taking the brunt of the fall. This is what I do. <laughs> you say that now. I can imagine Ezra sort of trying and Ash just being just stepping back and being like, no, it's, it's, it's fine. I got this. Okay. Um, I think this is going to be a roll. Um, I think let's just keep it as normal, risky standard. Okay. As... These strange spirit explosions ripple through Lilium's back, and you try not to get caught in them. Do you want to roll these separately, or is like a group action? I don't really mind either way. I don't mind rolling separate. We can roll separate. I've got zero in Prowl, so rest in peace, my legs. I mean, okay, so maybe maybe a group group would be better. Like, no, if, you if, said Ash didn't want any help. <laughs> I mean, does Ezra want help? Is the question. So much. <laughs> they want help so much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a group action with Ash leading, maybe. Yep. Yep. Please get us off of this thing. What if Ash just like as as you go to sort of grab him and like you're 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 looking down over the over the edge, he just kind of pulls out a, a grappling hook and just chucks it to a nearby sort of cavern ceiling. From where? From he's, where do you put he's, 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 he's got climbing gear. <laughs> this is what he does, like climbing and uh, and running around and so yeah he's just going to pull out this this hook and just hurl it to a nearby pillar and just hand one end of it to to Ezra love the idea of Ash pulling out the grappling hook heroically throwing it and then like putting one arm around Ezra to try and lift them up and be like huh? wait <laughs> oh my god <laughs> trying to do the, the other way around <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright let's do a group prowl then let's do it hey oh no wait okay you got zero so, yeah. I'll take one stress. Yeah, you take one stress, because of the failure. I failed, sorry. But but you did get a six, so you do it. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm just a little bit stressed. I like the idea that the stress is just the moment of trying to figure out where we're both holding onto this thing as the explosions are doof, 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 coming towards <laughs> yeah. us. Just like, okay, okay, and now, right, hold on, hold on there, and then I've got it here, and then, and then we step off together. Okay, ready? Go, go! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Oaken. Hello. Hello. That was dramatic. That was dramatic. I hope they don't upstage me. <laughs> <laughs> we would never. I think you you probably see them land out of harm's way, and you you see these various bits of Lilium staggering around the different gardens and spaces, and I think you see the the main body of Lilium for a moment shrinks back into the cave. Hmm. Do you 
go to fight one of these segments, or do you wait to see what the main body does? I kind of... Someone mentioned going for the head before. Yeah. And I feel like that's the objective right now. Or I can... That makes sense. A finishing blow to the control centre. Yeah. Have you been paying attention to where the head is? I would love to say yes, but the answer is of course no. Okay. <laughs> Lo- love you, Oaken. <laughs> I-, I guess the thing that occurs is you keep taking off segments from the front, or what yeah. you think is the front. And I think each of those segments that is at the front usually has a face. Oh, And then it splits off, and it's fine. They form into like an abstract version of a face. And like maybe you, you see one of them staggering around. It, it's the bit that was at the front, and it has a face still attached, or like etched into it. Oh, there you are. Mm-hmm. What does Oaken do? Goes after that one. Just dive straight in. Yeah, that's that's the style. Well, well, actually, where is it? Like on the map? I don't know. Somewhere here. Okay. I think generally, Lilium's body had come out of the edge of Winter's Lodge into from a cave into this kind of assortment of different buildings and garden spaces, and I think. It was kind of, in, in some places, raised to like snake over them, and in other places it had gone under arches or whatever. And I think with the ones slowed at the edges of the Winter's Lodge, it seems like they're splitting up in two directions. And this one is going sort of clockwise around the wall of the lodge, and is currently wading through what looks to be an ornamental pond. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go after it. I've got a half-formed idea. Okay. What are you doing? I think Oaken's just going to use his uh, his very speedy legs to chase okay. it. I've more. I've I've not got an idea of a cool way to get it. It's more what I'll do when I get there. Okay. It, it, are you like hopping over buildings, or are you just like appearing in front of it? I ca- I can use my jackal thing to push myself and move to any location on the field of battle that I can see. Yeah. I think if it's a part of the attack, then do feel free to push yourself. I'm also happy to just give you this for free, because you are a jackal and we've seen you do this before. If it's just a case of you getting somewhere narratively, then that's fine. But if you're like, I want to do a big jump from above, then... Nah, no, I'm happy just to run over. Yeah. Just sloshing through the pond inelegantly Mm. do you approach it from the front from its front yeah i do okay i think lilium's face almost looks like an abstracted version of like an insect face or like a millipede face and it's all kind of carved and etched in as you approach but i think as you get closer to it almost sensing danger. It's got these two sort of triangular legs going down that it's been using to walk on, and I think those sort of both split in two, so that, like, two bits of it go forward and actually form into mandibles in front of it, and it just suddenly seems a lot more 3D rather than 2D. And 
it stops and it just looks at you. It's waiting to see what you're going to do. Okay. This is an envoy of Kadroya, right? Yeah. And I have the Gaul in me, which is part of Rodella and Kadroya, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there any way to try and use the Gaul to exert control over this envoy? Or influence it or even absorb it? I don't know. As like a player and as as the audience, like I think there's definitely some kind of power within there that you could use in this situation. I'm a bit wary of like being like you can take it over. I don't think that's what's gonna happen, but that doesn't mean that Oaken doesn't believe that's what will happen. Yeah. I think I think I would only do this if Oaken had some kind of vibe. So I think it kind of depends on what what does Oaken feel from this creature? What vibes are we getting from each other? From the goal? Uh, yeah, from the goal inside him and from the envoy in front of him. Like, is it like, oh no, this is just a creature and I'm going to kill it? Or is it like there's some connection? So from Lilium, I think they feel like something ancient and indifferent to you. Mm. I think they are an envoy that has survived because they are clever. Um, but at the minute, they've only just perceived you. They probably don't think you're a threat in any way. Yeah. I, I think the dramatic irony here is like, Oaken has gone for this thing's... What Oaken thought was this thing's head, but like it can build new ones. Uh, it's okay. offering this up to see what happens. Is like its perspective. I think from the goal, I think there's almost like a kinship there between you and it because in the past, as part of the ritual to become a jackal, you ate a piece of the leftover piece of the goal. Mm. And it almost feels like a second heartbeat. And I think as you're wandering around, you can almost feel the heartbeat that kind of pervades the cut a little bit better and brighter. It's very steady, it's very slow. And I think the thing it feels here... I don't know whether the goal would want to destroy this in any way. I think it's more curious. I think it's waiting to see. The The strong sense you get is both of these things just waiting to see what you would do. Mm, okay. Well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's almost like if you watched an ant. It's not really going to have a big effect on you. So they're both just curious. The sense that you get is, like, and this is maybe where Oaken picks up on this, the goal knows that you destroying this will make no difference, really. Okay. Yeah, like, does, does, does Oaken just destroy it out of frustration or walk away becomes the interesting thing, I guess. <sighs> Tying this into, like, the clocks that we've got, the big challenge for you all here at the minute is Lilium is just going to keep going to try to break into Winter's Lodge, it does not care about you whatsoever at the minute. Yeah. And getting its attention so you can actually distract it is probably the big challenge. Yeah. I think I think maybe if Oaken got a sense of that watching an ant to see what it'll do, that will override his fear and connect straight to his wounded pride. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he's, he's constantly in this existential state of like, oh, what do I do? Why doesn't someone tell me what to do? But also I don't want to be told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think meeting this thing, he really, he really hoped for something to happen and it didn't, it just doesn't care, which is worse. And he's going to try and destroy it. Yeah. Like with as much force as possible to show that he is a threat and they should pay attention to him. That's good. But does he say anything as he does this? Probably like an expletive. <laughs> maybe cool. maybe he's like doing a little frustration cry, but not a big one, just a very little one. Yeah. yeah. I'm fucking over here. <laughs> Pay attention to me. <laughs> Extremely anime moment. Just acting out. Yeah. What do you want to roll for this? Exhibit in a skirmish or a command, maybe? Or tune. Anything, really. I think command fits, because it's not... I don't care about killing it. I care about showing off enough that it pays attention to me. Yeah. Just be like, I am Oka Nimshalif. <laughs> Pay attention. I'm a hero! <laughs> <laughs> That's how it actually comes out. Yeah. Cool. So it's two dice. So it's going to be, like, risky... I think it's risky limited, but you can. There's definitely stuff you can do to make this better. Oh, actually, this is where I might use my jackal because I can also push myself to perform a feat of strength that verges yeah. on the superhuman. Yeah, and it maybe just like ties into your astral blade as well, like activating that fully. Yeah, I could waste all my moves on this one segment. Yeah, well, it feels like the astral blade once you've got it activated, it is there. Oh, okay. Oaken not being acknowledged seems like the exact point he would waste all yeah. his energies and attentions. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a lot of stress. What does pushing yourself do? Do you add a stress for that? Yeah. I think it's too stress. Too stress. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Oh well. We're not maxed out yet. Just spending more <laughs> stress on this. Cool. Um I think what I'm gonna say is now you've got your astral blade activated, you just count as standard against this envoy. Okay. This is just a thing you can fight now. And then you can use any bonuses from like pushing yourself to increase that. So with your jackal, you can either add an extra dice or you could make it a uh, risky great. Ooh, I think risky great would hopefully fit better. Yeah. Oh, this better go well. <laughs> You've also got a thing from Ivar as well. I think this will be the last time it activates, oh, yeah. which you can use to push your effect or make it a controlled. So it's add another dice or make it controlled rather than risky? Yeah. What What's the mechanical difference between them, sorry? So adding an extra dice gives you more chance of succeeding on your roll, which make, moving up to three dice is pretty good. Uh, making it controlled means that you have less consequences if you fail. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I love consequences. So I'm, yeah, I'm doing yeah. the extra dice. So one bonus dice, great effect. Yep. Oh, please be cool. Five. Cool. Um, so on a five, you get his attention, is the first thing to say. What does this look like? Do you just shatter this into pieces? Do you how do you kill this segment? So maybe I really charge the um the sun spear up, you know? Mm. 
Yeah. Like the, the fragments of metal are whirring around and it's very bright. I think you can feel the goal responding to this as like its heartbeat seemed to just get like heavier and thicker. Yeah, and then I, I think it's the kind of like rather than a very fast or powerful blow, it's one that ramps up. So like it's slowly driven through? Yeah, with more and more force into the ground kind of thing. Hmm. Like a, you know, being slowly crushed rather than stabbed. Yeah, I think you drive this this spear down through this body. And I think this is so bright and so noticeable for, like, everyone in this room that there's maybe almost, like, a moment of just everyone stopping. And I think where the consequence is here is I think it's going to be a complication because I think as you push down with the spear, it's as if a ceiling forms above you and a great spear of architecture formed by the Gaul pushes down with you. Oh! Oh! And there's like just a huge wave as you finally break through to the ground. It's very clear to everyone that the Gaul is a part of you now. Whoops! <laughs> Oopsie daisy, but at least it was cool. Yeah, I think all of these segments that were trying to like break free round to try and find a way into Winter's Lodge stop. And you get a sense that they're now focused on you. Oh, fuck. And I think from the entrance to where Lilium is, like the great body of Lilium, a new version of it surges out of the caves and splits at like right angles from itself into twos and threes and starts to fill the space. It's realized where the fight is and it is committing to it. And the best thing of all is Oaken does not feel any better. <laughs> cool. Yeah, great.